Welcome to A Voice of Reason with your host, Kathy Horton and Sherry Petro-Serdell. We are offered new opportunities for growth daily. And with new opportunities, challenges are presented. Together, we can address the challenges and explore these opportunities. Now, here's Kathy Horton with Sherry Petro-Serdell. Welcome to A Voice of Reason. This is Kathy Horton, and I am with Sherry Petro-Serdell. Today, Sherry and I are going to take a trip to Oz. The Wizard of Oz may very well be the most watched movie of all time. There's varying data out there, but it ranks from number one to one of the top ten watched movies. And keep in mind that it has been watched for over 75 years. It appeals to young and old, to the deep thinkers, political activists, spiritualists, and more. The Wizard of Oz is a classic, a legend, and a children's story that will never grow old. Quotes from the story such as, Toto, I have that feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Lions and tigers and bears, oh my. (laughs) (laughs) And there's no place like home. They're one so familiar to many of us. And from the Tin Man, Now, I know I have a heart, because it's breaking. Mm. I have asked Sherry to share with us a psychological and insightful look into a spiritual interpretation of this great American classic. Well, truly, the world of Oz is a magical journey into the heart and the mind of the human condition. It is a fascinating study of our psyche, and most of it is most often it's thought of just a children's story. Hmm. It is so much more than that. It's spiritual, it's political, it's philosophical, it's psychological in its content and its interpretation. So I'm excited about going on this journey with you. All right. So um, to kick things off, let's begin with a bit of background on the author, Frank L. Baum. I found out that prior to writing the book, The Wizard of Oz, he had failed at a series of careers and endeavors. He was 44 by the time the book hit the stores in 1900. By then, he had failed at many pursuits, from a chicken breeder, actor, owner of a variety store, secretary for a baseball team, publisher of a newspaper, and as a traveling salesman. His true passion was always writing children's stories. The world is grateful he was not a quitter. He was married to Maud, and they, had, they were devoted to each other, and they had four boys. Rounding out the family was Frank's mother-in-law, Matilda Joslyn Gage. She was a strong leader of the women's rights movement in America. Sherry, what do you think inspired him to not give up? And what were all those endeavors about if he knew his passion was writing? Frank believed that something wonderful was hiding just beneath those failures. Oh, Hmm. if we could only see that for ourselves. He knew he was here to find what spiritual sages call the true self or the highest self. He had what mythologist Joseph Campbell often called one's vital powers to disintegrate moment. That came when it was said that Frank's desire to go on his spiritual journey to his true self meant that he had to face his own shadow. He had to forsake his childhood dream of becoming a great writer and instead focus on economic uh, economic demands of providing for his family. Ah, disintegrate. When his passion and his reality collided, he was on the verge of losing everything. He grabbed his family and the last of his hope and went to the Chicago World's Fair. At that Columbia Fair, it also was called. The fantasy and the magic of that fair inspired him to construct in his mind the Emerald City of Oz. Hmm. His passion fueled his purpose, and his imagination and creativity inspired him. So it seems he came to a crossroad. 
his passion or his responsibility. And that was his moment for his vital powers to disintegrate, or as I would say it, it was his time to follow his true passion. Yes, I, I think that's true, or not. Hmm. That moment is you get to choose. Right. Uh, many believe that we all have a moment or moments like that. It is when we follow our passion or we give in to the demands of the world. Often, when our time here begins to kind of wane and we are getting older, we will experience the sadness of regret, regret for never doing what our heart really called. Frank came to that point and he chose the way of the true self. You know, I can relate to that as I shifted my energy and focus significantly in the last five years. When I originally left corporate America, my goal was just to stay put and not travel for six months to a year. Mm -hmm. I started by simply working in the gardens on a daily basis, and as I worked the lands with my, my hands, I felt more and more nourishment. Early on, I was tentative with spiders and bugs. <laughs> <laughs> well, then the more I understood, the more comfortable I became. Now, one of the funny stories I'll share is as I was working, I watched a snake move right past me without any fear. Hmm. Now, let me be clear. <laughs> Before I started this new path, that would have terrified me. <laughs> so now I'll let people know that I'm very careful when reaching into hidden areas um, that could be nests or resting places for these critters. I try to approach it so neither me nor the critters are startled or scared. You know, as time passed, instead of applying for another job, I dug out a new spot for our vegetable garden. <laughs> and then the next spring, I expanded it. <laughs> I started growing my own starter plants for the garden in the late winter and early spring. I created a greenhouse so I could play with the plants in the winter. <laughs> I've managed to keep expanding my jobs to nurture and work in nature instead of committing to a job that would bring a lot more money. It certainly is an interesting journey that I'm on. So with that, let's begin our trip into the metaphorical understanding of the land of Oz. Let's. We're off to see the wizard, the <laughs> wonderful wizard of Oz. But before we get there, we need to meet the characters. You know what? Let's meet ourselves. For you see, each character is an archetype of an aspect of ourself, much as each character and object in our dreams are aspects of ourself. So let's start with Dorothy. Dorothy may represent the part of us that needs to be loved, who wants to be part of a family, part of a, the part of us that has felt loss and rejection. Remember, Dorothy lost her parents. We don't know how that happened, but she had to go live with an aunt and uncle who just didn't seem to understand the needs of a little girl. She didn't feel included in the family. She was often told, just stay out of the way. That's how you can help. I believe most of us can identify with Dorothy at least sometime in our lives. Dorothy was in search of a sense of belonging. Don't we all want that? That is part of the human condition. Of course, there is the question as to why Dorothy didn't make sure Toto didn't harass Mrs. Gulch and to keep Toto out of the garden and safe. Why, even Hunk, the farmhand, told her, just ride a different way. Don't go past Mrs. Gulch's house. Why did she do that? Maybe it's the part of us that is looking for attention. You know, from last week's show, I spoke about the fact that every human behavior we engage in has a payoff or a payback. So maybe Dorothy's payoff was attention, even if it was negative. We all have done that. Maybe it was because she was giving a payback. If Auntie M wouldn't pay attention to her, she would pay her back by causing trouble with the neighbors. So what about Toto? <laughs> Dorothy was putting him in danger. 
She was, wasn't she? Well, this symbolically, I think, explains her deep need or our deep need to receive love from a maternal source. And that is part of the human condition. I think that's why often um, mothers get a bad rap in therapy. Of course, it was the mother's (laughs) fault. (laughs) Remember, Dorothy represents us and our desire to be unconditionally loved, particularly by our parents and even more by our mother, the nurturer. When we don't receive that, we're left with a deep longing. Now, Toto could be very well could symbolize unconditional love. For anyone who's ever had a dog knows your dog will love you no matter what. I like the motto that says, I want to be the person my dog thinks I am. (laughs) Because we're perfect in our dog's eyes. Another way to look at the symbolism of Toto is that he represents a part of our soul. Maybe it's the part that takes us to places we can learn our lessons, because Toto certainly rocks Dorothy's world. If it weren't for Toto, Dorothy would not have gotten to Oz. He caused the ruckus that created um, Dor- Dorothy to run away from home. He was the catalyst that brings Dorothy's life lessons to her. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Toto caused Dorothy to challenge the lion's cowardness. You know, Dorothy would have never looked behind that curtain to see the truth about the wizard if it wasn't for Toto going over there and pulling the curtains away. And in the last scene in Oz, it was Toto who jumps out of the balloon basket because Dorothy had not fully learned her lessons. Oh, my. I would have never thought of Toto as part of her soul, helping her to learn her lessons. I guess I have more to learn on all of this symbolism and interpretation. (laughs) That's what I'm here for. (laughs) So, okay. Um, Dorothy represents the part of us that wants to be unconditionally loved. Yes. To be part of something. The part that that felt lost and rejected. Mm -hmm. And Toto is part of the soul that wants to help us learn our life lessons. Do I have this right? You certainly do. And remember, these are only possibilities. All right. Okay, so let's look at the other three main characters, or should I say archetypes. Mm-hmm. Well, let's start first with the first of the three that Dorothy met along her way, and that was the Scarecrow. The Scarecrow represents our intellect. If only I had a brain... This is a part of us that often believes we're not smart. We're not smart enough to figure things out for ourselves or to make good decisions. It's also the limiting part of our belief system. It's the piece that says, don't ask me to think. I just can't. I don't know. It (laughs) is the I can'ts and the I don't knows and I'm dumb and I'm not smart that shows up when we're faced with a challenge and we're frightened. I believe this part of us is fostered by our educational system. I'm going to get on my soapbox a little bit because I believe that our educational system doesn't encourage our children to be creative and have critical thinking. You know, when I was in high school and my interpretation of the grapes of wrath did not match that of the teacher, and it didn't. If I didn't go along and conform, I would have failed lit class. And so thinking for oneself can be dangerous, and we could end up hanging on a post and have the crows pick the life out of us. Yet when we start thinking for ourselves, thinking outside the box, amazing things happen. Books like The Wizard of Oz gets written. Medical discoveries happen. Ways to achieve peace are brought to the table. Nobel Peace winners happen. Ways to do almost everything better happens. We have spiritual experiences, not just religious doctrines, when we can critically think. Now, we know the scarecrow was not dumb. He had a brilliant brain. When he was encouraged to believe in himself, when he was loved and had a reason to use his brain, he found his brain. 
When we give up the limiting belief systems and find something that gives our life meaning and purpose, we'll just see how smart we really are. When we support the things that are important to us, as Kathy and her gardening, we can define our own humanity and we get to search for opportunities to raise human consciousness. We find our brains. When we make choices that support and sustain highest good, we suddenly get real smart. (laughs) That is a very good point. You know, when we ask too many questions, or sometimes when we just ask questions, it is frowned upon. I believe that many people are afraid of looking dumb or feeling unaware, and this feeling can keep them from asking the questions that pop to mind. And the other side of this situation is that many receiving questions feel challenged and or threatened. Mm -hmm. And sometimes in these cases, they will make it known that they are not comfortable being questioned. The interesting thing with this dilemma is that without questions and the additional conversation, we will fill the story with assumptions And this causes a lot of misunderstanding between people. Yes. With all of that, I will encourage all of you to keep asking the questions and be gentle with those that are fearful. Maybe you'll you'll teach them that the questions will help them too. Now let's look at that adorable lion. Oh my, how I love that adorable lion. You know, when he rubs his eyes with his tail, my heart just melts, no matter how many times I've seen it. And when he whimpers, oh, (laughs) I think that's the nurturing mother in me. But unfortunately, thinking you're a coward when the world expects you to be mighty and brave is very difficult. And it is sad that often being brave is thought of as doing dangerous things and being tough and certainly not crying. I have a different version. True bravery and courage isn't about fierceness. It's about speaking softly. Yet you do carry a big stick. You stand up for what you believe in. I believe most of us have within us a belief that we aren't brave. It doesn't matter what we look like on the outside or what we've done. The inside, we're often shaken in our boots, hoping no one finds out that we're a coward, we're frightened little child. Oh, we act tough. We talk tough. Sometimes we even bite in hmm. hopes that no one will perceive us as n- not courageous We want to be perceived as brave and strong and unafraid, so sometimes we fake it. I was once told that courage isn't the absence of fear. It shows up in the presence of fear. That is what the cuddly lion was teaching us. He was so courageous because even in all his fears, he showed up brave when Dorothy needed him. In the presence of his fear, he was the most courageous lion. All right. I'm just here for a quick reminder that Sherry is accepting new coaching clients. She might be just the key you are looking for for your success. If you're interested, we can set up a free 15-minute call with Sherry. Her clients have amazing recommendations for the work she does as a coach. Please send an email to avoiceofreasonbook.com for further inquiry or send a request via our website. It's time for a short break. Stay with us to hear about the Tin Man, Witches, and the Wizard, and what this represents in you. You are listening to A Voice of Reason on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. Now, if you want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. 
You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions. Some common sense. Heck, you might just actually learn something. Listen Fridays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Life carries many uncertainties. Just when we think we may know where we are headed or think we have what we need, life happens and we are redirected. Join host Trina Wines each week for Life Happens, Let's Talk. By hearing stories from people just like you, as well as guest experts who can help, you'll arrive at your own understanding of the role you play in creating the outcome of your life. Listen live every Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time and 10 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to A Voice of Reason. To reach the show today, call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd prefer to connect via email, our address is info at avoiceofreasonbook.com. Now back to this week's show. Welcome back to A Voice of Reason. The Tin Man is next. I love the words of the Tin Man. He said, the greatest loss I have ever known is the loss of love because I don't have a heart. Now, the irony of that statement can be easily missed as it's just so sweet. He was so caring, so loving, but he believed he did not have a heart and that he could not know love. (laughs) We all knew the Tin Man was a most loving man. He had such a tender heart that he cried so much and he would start (laughs) to rust and tighten up. Yes. The Tin Man represents our tender, loving, serving, altruistic archetype. The peace in us that can feel so as if our heart is breaking when we see some suffering of any kind. When those we love are hurting, it's the tender and the most vulnerable part within us. When we give from our heart unconditionally without expecting anything in return, love is returned in so many ways. You see, love is energy and it just keeps circulating. When love is given, love is received. When it is received, it is given again. This was the life of the Tin Man. There is another side of love, though. I often say the sword that slices our bread can also break our heart. For when, we, when you love, you will feel for others so deeply. You will hurt when they hurt. You will cry when they cry. The other side of the, so- the sword is that often there's an over, a hypersensitivity. Um, the Tin Man would cry when his own feelings were hurt. So he took things very personally. This is the double-edged sword that can cause us to be oversensitive, take things personally, and start to feel sorry, not just for others, but for ourselves also. Now, the Tin Man has a broken heart, has a full heart, a broken heart, yet he fails to understand his heartache can only come from having a heart. <laughs> Once he had that understanding, he could say, as, as you um, quoted earlier, Kathy, now I know I have a heart because it's breaking. Mm-hmm. Often a compassionate, loving heart is determined by how much you are loving. It also can be determined, be determined by how much you are loved. So how much your love touches others' hearts? Something for you to think about. I'm not speaking of um, 
you having adoring crowds. I'm speaking of one loving act of kindness at a time to one person at a time. This was the wonder of the tin man's heart. Just as the tin man has been tricked into believing he has no heart and that his ability to love is faulty, the belief systems of the world tell us that love can be measured and there's only a certain amount to go around, you know. And when we give love, we have to get filled up again. You better give it back. When we shut our heart down and refuse to be to have it filled up with love, we start to rust and we decay mm-hmm. as a human spirit, as humans on this earth. It has been said that love is to the soul what oxygen is to the body. Now, the love I'm speaking of is not romantic emotion. It's the love that comes from spirit. It's not about falling in love with one special person. It's about loving collectively. When we limit our love to one group of people, one religion, one country, we put a limit on the ability to love. You know, there's so much we can discuss with that information. You spoke of tenderness, giving from our hearts, and feeling for others. One thing that jumps out for me is the balance of showing our sensitive side versus appearing strong and not reactive. Mm -hmm. It seems to be a balance best struck with ourselves and those closest to us, as we cannot please everyone And the comfort of this on both the sensitive and strong sides are going to be different for everyone. Yes. I guess what I'm saying is that I can see where it can be difficult to strike the right balance. Also, the the reminder of giving love and sharing tenderness one person at a time is beautiful. I think most of us do not realize the difference we make each and every day. And I love that phrase, loving collectively. Mm -hmm. So Sherry, what else can you share with us about the characters in the story? I'm curious about what the witches and, of course, what the wizard represent. Let's talk about Glenda Goodwitch. And then the Wicked Witch of the West. First, I think the witches represent the good and the ego. I bet you thought I was going to say good and the evil. I did. (laughs) Glenda is the representation of spirit's guidance. She also was the spirit in nature. She made flowers grow. She was the trees would talk. Glenda was always was always with Dorothy. She was there when Dorothy needed her. But interesting enough, Dorothy was rarely aware of that. I think that is also an analogy for us. Spirit and the goodness is always with us. The GPS, divine guidance is always there. But we often are not aware of it. And if we're not aware of it, we don't call on it. Mm, Right. When we are listening to the guidance of the good, (laughs) which <laughs> we use our co-creative powers. We can revolutionize the planet. We follow the do not harm principle. We treat what some may say is unimportant with reverence and attention, just as we do with the big stuff. You know, truth is very important. Helping others, Protecting the vulnerable is also very important. Right. And the good witch in us knows to take life seriously and to do those things. Yet we also know how to have great pleasure in life. Glenda's smile and her laughter showed how much she could have fun. Now, on the other hand, the wicked witch is guided not by spirit, but by fear. And fear comes from the ego. The ego edges out God, which is always, uh, the ego is always afraid of being destroyed. Remember, it's always afraid it's going to get annihilated. So it's always looking for the upper hand. Ego is all about insecurity and is certainly not driven by morality and goodness. It is driven by insecurity. 
The understanding of the ego and the spirit, or the good and the ego, is a concept that is difficult for us to wrap our minds around, I think. And this could be because everything gets filtered through the ego. The ego is the checkpoint which everything must pass through. The wicked witch wants to rule. She sees herself separate from everything and everyone and particularly from good. Just as we can see ourselves separate from good, from nature, and other people and other races, and that's why we don't honor them as the Wicked Witch of the West. You know, what a fun way to look at and learn about good and ego. I'm a very visual learner, and oftentimes you'll see me looking up or even closing my eyes when mm-hmm. my brain is working on taking in new information. Understanding the ego and where it holds us back is often tough as you just can't picture it. Mm-hmm. That is one reason I really like the analogy of our monkey mind. It gives me a visual. And because the ego is right there, often standing in our own way, and my example of this is that, you know, it's typically hard to hear things that deflate us, even a little bit. Mm -hmm. Say somebody tells tells me that I sounded a bit harsh. Yes, that's happened before. (laughs) (laughs) You know... Often it's easier to let the ego brush this off saying something like, well, they didn't understand my intention, Mm -hmm. versus just taking that feedback and knowing that there is still some fine-tuning to be done, and maybe our message will be received positively by a few more people. It is as, as if our ego is our own worst enemy for personal growth and awareness. Mm-hmm. I know that I've worked hard not to take things personally so I can listen to what is being said. And just to be clear, I think I'll be working on improving this for the rest of my life. Mm. So on to the witches. Yes. I love the thought of Glinda representing nature and and the beauty of what we can learn and co-create. And that the Wicked Witch is just a good demonstration of how hard we must fight at times to overcome our fears. Fears can make us do crazy things, and it can support us in in crazy decisions. That is truth, and thanks for sharing from your perspective how that looks. Mm -hmm. Um, The Wizard. Are we ready to look at the Wizard? Absolutely. Okay. The wizard is the part of us that wants someone to make everything right for us. We create a wizard that can please make everything easy and everything right. The wizard is what gives Dorothy hope. Now, some even believe in the interpretations that the wizard symbolizes religion. He gave Dorothy hope and faith that she could find her way back home or find her way to her true and highest self or heaven. The wizard became her salvation in her mind, just as many believe religion creates their salvation. Now, on the flip side of the story, the wizard could not do what he said he could do. He was an imposter. Because he couldn't do what God would do. Many religions have hid behind a curtain of deceit, teaching their followers to believe that without that religion, they are doomed. And anyone else who doesn't believe it that way are doomed. And that the only way home is that religion, is through them. That is called the wizard's way. Now, I don't know if Frank Baum could have been applying that religion can get in the way of our finding our own path. But if the wizard were to be that representation, I also want to add to the positive of it. Religion, just as the wizard, can assist us on our spiritual journey. It gives us a foundation of hope. Frank L. Baum's story reminds us that our real home is within. We don't really need 
to go out searching for our true self. Jesus also said the kingdom is within. And courage, we know, comes from within our hearts, as does love. We are connected to a divine mind that is always real and true. And it does not come in the form of a person, a position, or an institution. Wow, that is all great information. You know, I always remember that the wizard is revealed for his trickery of smoke and mirrors. Mm -hmm. His response is to say, I'm not a bad man, I'm just a bad wizard. (laughs) What do you make of this statement? Well, I wonder if that the analogy could be is that we need to understand that in our highest true self, we are good. Yet there's another aspect of us, you know, the good and the ego, and that can create an imposter effect. The idea of what we think we must look and how we think we need to be to get others to like us so that we then lose our true self. The part of us that can't be ourself, the good person that we are, because of fear of retaliation and insecurity. Also, there is an idea that we are what we do, not what we are, what we do, not who we are in our heart. That is not true. The wizard was um, one who urged Dorothy through a little trickery to go back home when she was running away, if you remember that. We do become the decisions that we make, but that isn't who we are in our true self. Well, I also want to emphasize the point you made that our answers are within. Now, we are each unique beings with different needs and different experiences. We need each other for support and survival, but we need to listen to our answers from within on this journey. Mm -hmm. So relating this to the story of the Wizard of Oz, you know, the wizard, when pushed, offers gifts to the visitors. He lets them know that they have their answers or their gifts within. We can apply this message to everyday living as too often we act like the Tin Man the scarecrow, and or the cowardly lion, Mm -hmm. expecting others to provide the solutions to our difficulties. Mm -hmm. Well, it's time for a short break. Stay with us to hear about the yellow brick road in the poppy fields. You are listening to A Voice of Reason on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. your better business achieve that goal make good on that resolution the voice america empowerment channel it's your world motivate change succeed broaden your mind open your heart for a greater understanding of how to express your pure and authentic nature tune in and turn on 1111 talk radio simron author, publisher, and life mentor, broadens minds and opens hearts to a greater understanding of life, consciousness, and humanity. 1111 Talk Radio is every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 1111 Talk Radio. You are not on a journey. You are the journey. You are experience experiencing itself. Have you always known that something different was possible for your life and in the world? What if you could create beyond your current reality? If your relationships, finances, business, health, and life could be anything, what would they be? Join Heather Nichols for an invitation to discover what is true for you in every area of your life and for conversations loaded with pragmatic tools for how to create it. Listen live every Monday at noon Pacific and 9 p.m. Central European time for Creating Beyond Reality on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Build a better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. You are listening to A Voice of Reason. To reach the show today, call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd prefer to connect via email, our address is info at avoiceofreasonbook.com. Now back to this week's show. Welcome back to A Voice of Reason. Oh, we've looked at most of the characters from The Wizard of Oz. So let's look at the yellow brick road in the poppy fields. I know there must be some important symbolism. Yes, the yellow brick road can symbolize so many different things. Quite possibly, the yellow brick road could represent us following our GPS, our God positioning system. This will lead us to our true self, our highest self, home. In the Tao tradition, it is called the way or the path. Follow the way, the golden path. And with many other spiritual teachings, we are told that we must follow the way. Jesus was said to have said, I am the way. When we are told we are, I mean, we're really even told that the streets of heaven are paved with gold. Hmm. Hmm. Gold? Bricks? I wonder. In the beginning of our show, references was, there were references made that The Wizard of Oz was also a political story. There are those who believe that Frank L. Baum intended his novel to be a political statement. It can be interpreted that the yellow brick road is the symbol of the financial gold standard and the Emerald City is as corrupt as Washington, D.C. And Oz was an imposter, a liar, and just an all-out shenanigan. And that could be the president. Oz, O-Z, represents ounce, abbreviation. Gold is measured by the ounce. Baum was a political activist with a very special interest in the money questions of gold and silver. He was also a populist. That's when the term populist came into play. He was very, very concerned about um, the common folk, even though he was born into um, wealth. And by the way, Dorothy's slippers, originally they were silver, isn't were, that crazy? I know. The, the MGM wanted them because they were going to introduce color into the black and white. But that wasn't what Baum's intention was. Gold and silver. Maybe what is politic, happening politically today is nothing new. We hear the phrase, follow the money. If you're finding this interesting, I'm, and you may want to research the aspect of the meaning behind The Wizard of Oz, it's fascinating, and I recommend Finding Oz by Evan I. Swartz. You know, it's really amazing to think about the brilliance of all the allegories or bends that are presented in this story. Mm-hmm. And now remember, The Wizard of Oz, the book, hit the stores in 1900. Yes. You know, there are religious, political, and spiritual angles for all this content. I wonder how much of it was written consciously into the presentation. And it's also interesting to think about how things and situations are repeated over time. I wonder that, too. Um, That was an amazing time, as every time in our history seems to be amazing, but there was a lot happening and preparing to happen. I also think history repeats itself, and we are in a repeat pattern right now. Isn't it interesting? So let's go to the poppy fields. All right, I'm ready for the poppy fields. The poppy fields could be the distractions and the temptations that try to get us to go unconscious. I describe it as those times we're about to have a breakthrough, maybe become more self-aware, getting close to our promised land, or as Paulo Clejo in The Alchemist describes it as our personal legend. Mm, Right. And then a deep sleep of denial of the importance of living out that purpose happens. 
That is the poppy field. And remember, it was the wicked witch, the ego, that put Dorothy and her friends to sleep. We all have had poppy field experiences right before we're about to find our true self, have an awakening, awakening. We're put to sleep by our fears and our ego. Remember, who put Dorothy and her friends to sleep? The wicked witch. She is represents our ego, and our ego operates from fear, fear of becoming our best and our highest. Remember, fear comes from the most primitive part of our brain. And what woke Dorothy up? <laughs> Snow. Snow is considered to be refreshing and pure. You know, may our offenses become white as snow. When we are refreshed, our thoughts will be pure and we're able to continue on our path. All right. So, you know, I know we all need downtime. I often tend to keep moving instead of taking the downtime I need. So with that in mind, how do we know the difference between healthy rest and downtime to refresh ourselves versus falling into the poppy fields where fear is involved? Hmm. Well, falling asleep in the poppy fields often happens when when one loses their motivation, say their motivation for a project or a dream, something they've worked really hard for. This happens with writers, and they call it writer's block and artists. It's when we're getting really close to maybe becoming an um, an endeavor and being an entrepreneur of our own and running our own show, or we then suddenly start to lose interest or get too afraid. Or maybe it's when you're getting close to a dream and that fear sets in and you are frozen, frozen like ice, not pure like snow. Hmm. So that is quite different than you're just catching your breath before you rally again to finish your project or pursue your dream. Fear is the factor, frozen, um, overwhelmed, um, is more about you're in the poppy fields. So is that helpful? You know, absolutely it is. I'm thinking of times when I procrastinate or avoid a project. Um, and examples, you know, that would be a good example of a couple of times when I'm sure there's some fear that is involved, whether I recognized it or not, mm-hmm. um, versus a healthy nap when I pamper my body, where <laughs> there certainly isn't any fear in that situation. Yes. You know, so as we come to the end of this fascinating journey to Oz with our time spent looking at what many thought was a children's book that turned into a movie, what would you, sh- you know, um, help us with your last thoughts on what you'll share on The Wizard of Oz. Well, I hope I've given our audience a glimpse into the symbolism of this classic book and movie. What I hope did show up was possibilities. I must remind you that this was my sophomoric attempt in translating it and Please know it is not a children's book turned into a movie. I can't think of any other book I have ever read that has so much depth and symbolism. There are so many layers. Frank had had many layers himself. He was one of the most interesting people I've studied, and I've studied many. His spiritual, political, psychological, philosophical background is so broad and so deep. His skill and gift as an author is very evident. Yeah, very true. Yeah. As far as the archetypes of the characters, they remind us of our collected unconsciousness. The scarecrow really was smart. The tin man did have a heart. Hmm. The lion was brave and courageous. And we all have those aspects in our own being. And we also have the deceptions that tell us that we aren't. 
Dorothy's words, there is no place like home is a metaphor of living in this present moment, being grateful for all that is right here, right now. You know, we can travel to faraway places and we can have unbelievable experiences, but we will not find our true highest self in those experiences. We will only find our home within by going within. That is the spiritual message behind Frank's writings. Frank quite possibly could have been called also a new thought follower. He was interested in the metaphysical aspect of life and spirituality. Many of his concepts can be found central in theosophy, in Buddhism, in Hinduism, and Taoism. This is a story of how one man managed to myth, to find myth from his own life. Joseph Campbell said, great myths give us clues to the spiritual potential in our lives. Hmm. The Wizard of Oz is also a political story. Each one of the characters and symbols can be interpreted through the eyes of the political climate of the times. The woman's suffrage movement. Uh, Frank was very connected to the plight of the uh, Native Americans, the corrupt government that began and continued through Great Depression. Frank considered himself a populist, which meant he advocated for the common people and for the coinage of gold and silver. He supports labor and and, uh, agriculture and the common people. Don't you just wonder where Frank would be and what he stood on in today's climate, Hmm. I think we've gotten a glimpse of it. And in closing, it is a story of psychological, of a psychological nature. It addresses the many aspects of our psyche, our fears, our embedded belief systems that cause us to think we are so limited in the capacities, so we can't really be the best version of our highest vision. I want to put a plug in again for Evan Swartz's book, Finding Oz. If you want to understand the man behind the book and the movie, it's a must read. Frank Baum wrote America's first native fairy tale, a story filled with references to the American spirit and landscape. And we are reliving that history again today. Sherry, thanks so much for taking me with you on a trip through Oz. It was fun. I really enjoyed the vacation, and I learned some lessons along the way. So remember to send an email to info at avoiceofreasonbook.com to schedule your 15-minute free coaching session with Sherry. Thanks so much for tuning in. Tune in next week as we discuss decisions that can change your life. We wish you all a wonderful week. Thank you for tuning in this week to A Voice of Reason. Please join your host, Kathy Horton and Sherry Petro-Serdell for another edition next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until then, have a terrific week.